Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. The organizers of the Days of 47 parade in Salt Lake City have responded to the Salt Lake City Council saying they will not reconsider a request by Mormons building bridges to participate. The Salt Lake Tribune reports parade organizers said they feared the entry would be too controversial for an event that honors Utah statehood as well as Mormon pioneers. The ACLU of Utah had criticized the city council for weighing in on what it called the parade committee's First Amendment freedom to organize without government interference. Others say that though the parade is organized as a private entity, it is a public event and should be as inclusive as possible. We're going to ask you what you think today. And our guests include Dory Burt from Mormons Building Bridges, who joins us in studio. Welcome back to the program. Thank you very much. And uh, we also uh, bring in Salt Lake City Council member uh, Kyle LaMalfa. Do we have Mr. LaMalfa on the line? Hi, yes. Hi, Thanks hi. for having me on. Thanks for joining us. And later in the program, we're going to revisit a conversation from September. We did a program ahead of Provo's first Pride Parade, and we talked with an extraordinary conversation with uh, Rebecca Taylor, a Utah resident who identifies as a transgender and who was uh, struggling with ramifications for her Mormon faith. Uh, that is later in the program. So uh, first to uh, Dory Burt, Mormons Building Bridges, why did your organization want to march in the parade? We... Um Mormons Building Bridges is, is just about two years old, and almost since its beginning, we started getting requests from our community members, our participants, suggesting that we form a contingent to represent Mormons Building Bridges, but more specifically, LGBT pioneers in the Days of 47 Parade. It's a beloved tradition of Utah, of Mormonism, and... Um, up, up until about this year, we just didn't feel that we were a strong enough organization. We weren't quite big enough. Um, and But this year, we felt the time was right, and so we put in an application. You know, we have all sorts of pioneers. Uh, it's great to honor our past pioneers as well, to, as well as to honor and look toward the pioneers of the future. And um, since Mormons Building Bridges exists to bridge kind of the divide or any contentions or misunderstandings between the LDS faith and culture and church and LG, the LGBTQ population, we just thought that would be a great, a great venue for, for showing, look, these are great pioneers for the future that love their Utah heritage and they're contributing to society and let's honor them in a really tasteful, appropriate, small um, group in, in, the, in the Pioneer Day Parade. And let me back up and ask the question I probably should have asked it first to remind people, Mormons Building Bridges, what's your mission? It, it really is. The, the mission is very broad in the way it can be adapted and applied to many situations and people and families. But it's quite, quite very simple and kind of primary principled as far as primary meaning the organization that in, of our church that um, is very simple and pure. And that is just to bridge bridge the divide and misunderstandings excuse me between the LGBTQ population and and the Latter-day Saints. Mm. And uh, you're not an official arm of the LDS church. We are not. We are not. Uh, one of the things I've been hearing from Mormons Building Bridges uh, as as this uh, matter has gone along is that uh, your organization taking great pains to stress that you try not to be too political. We are, we are not political really at all. We um we, which is one of the reasons that the the reason that in our denial that we were too controversial was surprising to us because we are quite strict in our Facebook group um, in moderating and in setting up the guidelines of being non political. We do not take on controversial causes. Um, we want our, we want our group to be a safe place for almost anybody, and to do that, we have just found that controversial political top topics just breed contention and don't really lend themselves to the type of dialogue that we hope to promote. There are other great places where that type type of dialogue is beneficial and essential. We're just not that place, mm -hmm. and so yeah, we're 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 pretty calm. We're pretty mellow. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, by the way, we did invite um, parade organizers on the program, and they declined, as the, the ones we uh, talked to. Uh, ACLU declined to participate on the program today as well. We're uh, grateful uh, to have uh, Salt Lake City Council member Kyle LaMalfa. Uh, so the uh, Salt Lake City Council uh, decided, I'm not sure if there were dissenting votes, I can't remember, but as, as a whole decided to uh, send a letter to parade organizers urging them to reconsider. Why, why did you want to do that? The Salt Lake City Council voted unanimously to okay. send a letter to the um, uh, to the organizers of the Days of 47 Parade to urge them to include uh, Mormons building bridges in the parade, as uh, they they certainly in the other parades that they participated in, Mormons building bridges has been a hit and really well received by the crowd, and you know they sig- definitely signal the group signals. This growing sense of cooperation and belonging that uh, Salt Lakers really embrace, and we, as a a council, thought that that was an appropriate. You know, the days of '47 is an appropriate place for inclusion of all people. Let me uh, read a a paragraph. Of course, you well know this, uh, and have you commented this from your letter to the parade organizers. Uh, this and previous city councils, the, the, the council wrote, and mayors have wrestled with how to promote justice, equity, and inclusiveness for everyone in our shared lives in Salt Lake City. And then you go on to uh, cite uh, council policy regarding uh, the LGBT uh, community. Uh, so you, you mentioned that the city has wrestled with some of these issues. You as a city have come down on a, uh, you know, to certain principles. Uh, I guess that's one of the underlying reasons why you wanted to send the letter. Right. Our, one of the bedrocks of our policy is our non-discrimination ordinance, which prohibits uh, discrimination in housing and other matters uh, related to all, across all kinds of, you know, age, race, uh, sex, gender identity, um, and nationality, religion. The non-discrimination ordinance says you got to treat people for who they are, um, and not necessarily for 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 what you for what category you put them in. Hmm. Now the uh, the parade is organized privately. It's a public event. That's that's what makes this very interesting. It is it is the Utah's biggest parade uh, annually, uh, but organized by a private uh, organization. The ACLU uh, was a bit up in arms. They were upset with the city council over this because they said this is a government entity. Interfering in, uh, you know, private citizens, free speech and free association, potentially um, you know, putting their the heavy hand of government on on private uh, citizens' free association rights. What do you say to that? We we didn't sanction anybody. We only made a request as a as a council. We we simply made a request of the of the days of forty seven to to reconsider. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, now the ACLU goes on to say that uh, it, you know the letter cites ordinance numbers and such. It it could be construed as you know a sort of official government pressure. I I assume you disagree with that. We disagree with it, and the Salt Lake City Council is certainly not an enforcement arm of any city ordinance. If they had received a letter from uh, from our zoning people or from the police, that might be a different matter, but mm-hmm. there's just a political body with an opinion. What do you, what's your take on this, this, this sort of this dilemma that, uh, sort of the, the crux of this, this is a big parade. It's, uh, you know, it's designed to bring Utahns together, celebrate their heritage. A lot of people attend. It's the biggest parade in Utah. And, and so in that way, it's a very public event. On the other hand, it's organized by a, a private organization. And I guess some some people say that uh, that should change. Should be a public entity that's uh, organizing this. You know, Salt Lake City supports or all kinds of cultural events, and the state of Utah supports all kinds of cultural events. And this certainly could be one, a candidate for um, public support. We, you know, as a as a as a state, we support the state fair. Definitely a cultural event that supports the the notion of our agricultural heritage. We support things like the Shakespearean Festival, which has to do with our, you know, our history of the of Western civilization, going back to going back to um, Western Europe. 
there's no reason why the if the state were interested in celebrating our heritage, they couldn't. Uh, for right now, the Days of 47 has been really successful as a private as a private event. Um, there's no reason I think we should go in there and try to, as a government, compete with a private event. Um, but but to your point, yeah, man, it's really prominent. This is this is a, one of the biggest parties of the year for for Utah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that's true. You know, we ought to have everybody invited. By the way, you can join this conversation if you would like. Uh, if you just joined us, we're talking about the Days of 47 Parade. You've no doubt heard that Mormons Building Bridges applied to uh, uh, to march in the parade. That uh, application was turned down. The Salt Lake City Council sent a letter to the Days of 47 organizers urging them to reconsider. Uh, now the uh, parade organizers have uh, sent another letter saying they uh, respectively will not reconsider. And we're asking you what you think. The number is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. Or you can join us by email to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. We have with us uh, for another 15 minutes or so Dory Burt from Mormons Building Bridges and Salt Lake City Council member Kyle LaMalfa. The number is 1-800-826-1495. Email is upraxcess at gmail.com. Uh, Mr. LaBalfa, as you no doubt know, and uh, Days of 47 spokespeople point this out, the Supreme Court has ruled on, uh, you know, it's kind of a similar issue, the um, St. Patrick's Day Parade. Uh, I'm not sure whether the case came from uh, Boston or New York, but they ruled that the, that private organization has the right to exclude uh, gay and lesbian groups from marching in their their parade. Uh, so that is an established right of private organizers. I guess you're you're just as a city council urging this private group to to move the needle a little bit. We are, uh, and it's very similar. But I don't believe um, Mormon building bridges are particularly advocating being gay or lesbian. But their advocacy, and Dory, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is about bridging divides and bringing people together. Correct. Yep, that's right. So from your point of view, Dory Burt, um, you're, you're probably wondering why why not let us in? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it really was quite a surprise to us. Our entry that we applied, the, the, what we wanted to, what we had proposed was just to have eight people <clears throat> have an antique car or something. Um, but and and then eight people from the LGBTQ um, community who are pioneers in their own field, perhaps someone in education, the arts, in science. You know, that's just that's just wonderful and representative of, excuse me, of of Salt Lake, and of of our community, our religious and cultural and geographical community and so we were we were pretty surprised and um, we were also surprised and it's nice to hear uh, Mr. LaMalfa's voice and to mm-hmm. to um, kind of meet him across the the studio lines um, but I, I I think it's great that the the city council is watching out for the their constituents and they do have a responsibility to make sure that all citizens are represented somehow and in in a very appropriate way in in keeping with the theme of of the Pioneer Day Parade. Um, I, I stumbled upon, <clears throat> excuse me, an article written by um, Greg James, who's on the organizing organizing committee of Days of 47. And in it, he points out that there are 35 people on the board, which is that's a lot of people mm. to try to come to decisions. And and he talks in this article about how when he first joined the Days of 47 organization, he was surprised about the diversity within the organizing committee. And but then he goes on to say that also they are private they are a private entity, which is true. We're not no one's arguing with that and they do have rights to choose. But he goes on to say and we're we're not beholden to anyone. Um, about uh, figuring out what happens in the parade, and and maybe that maybe that's something that should be oh maybe looked at in really good dialogue, not just people saying nope 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 or it has to be, but but good dialogue because it does seem that even a private entity kind of does have a little bit of a responsibility to not 
just be not beholden to anybody. They represent all sorts of folks. And just as as Mr. James was so impressed with the diversity of the organizing committee of Days of 47, which he claims, it would be nice to have that same diversity shown in the parade that 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 honors all of our pioneers. Um, Specifically, you know, I'm specifically interested in the group we wanted to put together honoring LGBTQ pioneers. But lots, how about other, lots of different religions, just maybe something a little more representative of of the future of Utah, as well as uh, as, um, honoring the past as well. We're going to take a break. When we come back, um, I will, uh, I'll I'll put to my two guests uh, a point that probably is the main point from uh, Greg James and the Organizing Committee for Days of 47, uh, sort of the camel's nose under the tent. If you let Mormons building bridges, which is not political, at least according to them, uh, it, it has a danger, he says, of descending into point-counterpoint, and then you heavily politicize a parade that wasn't before. Uh, we'll talk about that p- part, of it, part of it and uh, potential boycott. I think the Salt Lake City Council decided not to boycott the parade. More following this break. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Bluegrass Evanston, presenting the fourth annual Beer, Brats, and Bluegrass Festival, offering children's festival, artists, food, and beverage booths. Saturday, June 21st in the historic Depot Square in Evanston. Information at bluegrassevanston.com. And by our members at Crumb Brothers Artisan Bread in Logan. Open for breakfast Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. and Saturdays at 8 a.m. Featuring Croque Madame and Croque Monsieur. Made with sourdough bread, ham, and cheese. Menu details at crumbbrothers.com. The U.S. Supreme Court ruling sets back the cause of marine families sickened by toxic water at Camp Lejeune. The impact is that the people who believe that they were harmed or family members were harmed may not be entitled to any kind of compensation because their cases could be thrown out. Bad law, bad water, and a bad break for veterans and their families. I'm Steve Kerwood. That's next time on Living on Earth from PRI. Wednesday morning at 10 on Utah Public Radio. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Uh, interesting dilemma has arisen regarding the Days of 47 parade. This is a parade that happens annually in, uh, well, many communities, but the official Days of 47 parade is in Salt Lake City. It's the largest parade annually in Utah um, and honors uh, Utah statehood, Mormon pioneers. The uh, Days of 47 parade this year got received an application from the group Mormons Building Bridges which uh, seeks to improve relationships between Mormons and the LGBT community. Mormons Building Bridges wanted to uh, march in the parade. Their application was turned down. Salt Lake City Council weighed in. Uh, They sent a letter to the organizers uh, urging them to reconsider. Uh, Now we've learned from the organizers that they will not reconsider. Uh, It's an an interesting dilemma. It's been ruled on by the Supreme Court from 1995, a case from uh, Boston and their St. Patrick's Day Parade. But uh, a big public event organized privately. What are the responsibilities on the part of the organizers? What are the responsibilities on the part of uh, private citizens, government, uh, who want more inclusiveness in the parade? The number is 1-800-826-1495, or you can join us at upraxcess at gmail.com. We have with us for another five minutes uh, Salt Lake City Councilman Kyle Amalfa and in studio Dory Burt from Mormons Building Bridges. Councilman, I wonder, I know you have to go at 9.30. Uh, interested to hear your response to uh, this the, the argument, probably the main argument from parade organizers, which is that if they go against their rules as they see them and um, allow an entry into the parade that is in any way seen as political, that the parade could descend into point-counterpoint. Well, there certainly has been... Um there certainly has been, they've, they've had their fair share of um, floats and, and applications that they've turned down over the years that some have been more prominent than others. The Clydesdales from Budweiser was, was one that was prominent uh, 10, 10 or 15 years ago. Um, well, to, you know, I, I guess that they have to do a little soul-searching on that. I, I really can't imagine that there, that there would be a group organized called Mormons Against Building Bridges. <laughs> um, I, it just, yeah, it, so I, for, for, for this case, I don't know that that 
that would really hold water. I, I don't speak for the council, but I really am only speaking for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could see, uh, you know, I, I could envision um, some people viewing the parade, seeing this through political lens. For example, Mormons Building Bridges has now, I think, become one of the largest contingents in what's become the second largest parade, the Pride Parade. Um, and though Mormons Building Bridges is very careful to, to say they, they're not political, they can be seen as political, so, uh, you, you know, the nose under the camel's tent from the, from the point of view of the parade organizers. I think, and, I, and I'm not, certainly not a, a member of the, of the committee that grapples with those decisions, uh, from our view, from the city council's view, what Mormons Building Bridges is doing is harmonious with the spirit of the days of 47 in that coming together and being being a community that celebrates our, our heritage and all of us who really have to we got to stick together as a as a people if we're going to make it and be successful in this world and, and Mormon bridges building bridges you know in my opinion are saying that includes everybody regardless of their uh, Gender, sexual orientation, too, and that so that is that you know that spirit of working together is part of the spirit of the days of forty-seven, and I don't really see that as a political message. Hmm. Uh, I know you have to go soon, uh, Councilman. Um, th- there's there's a headline I read: uh, Salt Lake City Council will not boycott uh, the parade. Was was there talk of that among the city council? Yeah, in fact, we did. We discussed that in a working session whether we were whether the days of 47 had gone so far afield of our values as a city that we would boycott the parade. Ultimately, we decided, no, we, we would not boycott as, as a council, and we would leave it up to the individual council members themselves to decide their, to, to vote their conscience, I suppose, and whether to participate in the parade. There are three council members who have decided not to participate in the parade, and there are four council members who decided that they would participate in the parade, myself being one of them. You you will participate in the parade? Yes. Okay, okay. Um, I guess the principle of inclusiveness, you're going you're gonna to be there despite the disappointment from the, the parade regarding Marwood's Building Bridges. Yeah. And I hope that that, uh, I hope the parade organizers realize that, you know, the, those of us who are participating um, really do want to be inclusive of the days of 47 in Salt Lake City. And some of our constituents are pretty upset that we're, we're participating. But, you know, we're taking a big gulp and saying, come on, let's." Uh, we realize days of 47 is important to Salt Lake City and important to Utah. Mm. Uh, we do have a caller. Uh, ben uh, joins us. Ben, welcome to the program. Good morning. Uh, go ahead with your... Between- Traveling between Aurora and Richfield, hopefully the signal will stay constant. Let's hope and, and be I safe. Am, uh, I would like to see the, the uh, Mormons building bridges in that parade. I really would. But at the same time, I'm also a fan, uh, or I'm pleased that the process has worked the way it did. I mean, it's a private entity. They make the decision that they want. It looks like both sides put up good arguments and petitions, and it looks like the process ran smoothly. I'm glad to see the process running smoothly. Hmm. Uh, because, you know, when you have issues like this that, that cause agitation, that cause fervor, that cause high emotion, sometimes the process gets warped, twisted, and destroyed. And I'm glad to see, at least in this case, from what I can see, the process is still maintained, that there's still civility uh, between all the parties involved. Yes, ultimately, I would like to see days of 47 relent and allow you know this group to come in but i'm still happy that the process is there that's it thank you okay thanks thanks ben Dri- drive safe yep. appreciate your call um i don't it, it, it is 9 30 I, I know you have to get uh, going councilman uh, lamalfa you have any quick uh, response uh just a quick response i i i would agree the process going smooth it went smoothly and hey, there's always next year. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, a lot of a lot of time, a lot of water under the bridge between now and next year. And um, and as we, you know, evolve and as the days of 47 uh, comes to, you know, see the world with bigger eyes, it could happen 
the next year we have a, a bigger parade with at least one more one more participant, and hopefully that's Mormons building bridges. All right. Uh, Councilman uh, Kyle LaMalfa from the Salt Lake City Council has been with us and has to go. Uh, appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. And thank you, Dory. Thank you. Nice to see you. Or hear you. <laughs> we have another about five minutes uh, here with uh, Dory Burt from Mormons Building Bridges. If you just joined us, we're talking about a bit of a controversy in Salt Lake City. Their Days of 47 Parade, which is the largest one in Utah, the largest parade in Utah, I should say, um, has turned down a request, an application for an entry in the parade from Mormons Building Bridges. Salt Lake City Council weighed in. ACLU of Utah scolded the Salt Lake City Council for weighing in. Uh, but the, the interesting point here is it's a private organization putting on the, uh, one of the biggest public events in Utah. And uh, so where should we draw the lines? Uh, as Ben said, this has proceeded on a pretty civil mm-hmm. tone, which which I guess is good, Dory Burt. It is. It is very good. Um, when In our application, we had at the end said, if you have any questions about our, in- our entry, please give us a call. Um, listed some phone numbers and some emails of some of the steering committee members. When we were when we got our notice of denial, we also before we um, let our 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 participants on our page know that we had applied and been denied. Before we released that, we also emailed back and said we would really like to talk. Um, I believe it was Jodine Smith who we got the notice from. We would really like to maybe. Um, clear up any misconceptions uh, or answer any questions, maybe go over this. And, and that, and that just didn't happen. So I think our hope is that, you know, yeah, maybe next year, but even if not next year, maybe it would be great if sometime over this next year, certainly not now because days of 47 organizers are super busy right now. um, Maybe after the parade is over, we could have a sit-down visit with a few of the committee members, some of those 35, and go over just exactly what it is they view as being controversial. And maybe, you know, put some fears to rest or broaden the conversation. Um, you know, you had mentioned the the camel's nose in the tent. I, Without having them here, I'm not sure quite what they mean about that, but... Oh, that, that was my character. Oh, that was your character. But, but that's what I read from yeah. what they're saying. Yeah, so. yeah, it does kind of come across like that. But, you know, coming from our point of view is just trying to promote uh, a broader view of of representing Utahns that and and doing it in a very civil, kind, inclusive way. That's not a bad camel's nose to let into your tent, mm-hmm. it seems to me. <laughs> and you mentioned earlier you would like to see maybe other religions, other, yes. other, not just Mormons building bridges, oh, well, a, yeah. a, a more inclusive parade. Yeah, yeah, I would. Um, and, you know, we're a very, it, for for being portrayed, well, there are a lot of great religions, a lot of ethnic traditions that make up Utah and, and contribute to it being wonderful. And it would be, I think it would be great to have those just all sorts of diversity portrayed in the Days of 47 Parade. Oh, I'd like to talk about a different parade. This is the second largest parade. The, the Pride Parade happens in Salt Lake. Right. And I think for the third year in a row, Mormons Building Bridges has marched. And yes. it has become one of the largest contingents in, in yes. that, at that parade. Did, did you go this year? I did. This is my third year what, marching. What was the atmosphere? Oh, it's just joyous. It is just, you know, every year I am shocked and amazed at the reception we get from the, the parade watchers, the people just lining the streets. Um, our group is, we had about 450 this time. I, I think it was about, you know, it's, it's hard to count. <laughs> Um, but it was for sure the lar- largest group we've had in Mormons Building Bridges. And the environment is just loving and kind in our greeting area. We're hot and we're sweaty and we're thirsty, but we're meeting each other and we're, we've taken our Sundays to do kind of the phrase I like is worship with our feet. And really just we carry signs that have um, scriptures or else hymn quotes on them that just really um, portray what we're trying to do and the messages we're trying to get out there. And every single year, all three years, the response to the, of the, um, 
the folks, uh, the thousands of people along the parade route, they are just clapping and cheering and um, sending I love you signs. And, you know, there are there are sometimes those people who have just tears just streaming down their face and and some people who have their faces covered and and some people who have expressions on their face just kind of in utter disbelief you can kind of see in their eyes and and um they they just kind of can't believe that that this huge group of people looking like um a group of mormons streaming out of the conference center um looking the that exact same way is kind of yeah on their turf saying you know we we love you we want you we miss you and you are accepted and appreciated and loved just the way you are finally just about a minute left i'm interested to get your take on th- this dialogue this conversations going on i i would expect that most of the you know most people in mormon splitting bridges are mormons mm. Mm-hmm. Many of the organizers, the Days of 47 Parade, to be uh, Mormons, yet this is not going through official church channels. You know, the private organizations, not an official arm of the church. The organization, not official arm of the LDS Church. Right. A lot of Mormons speaking to each other, but but also <laughs> I think you know part of the agenda is sort of speaking to church leaders, and uh, I know that's you know that's not an official position of the Mormons building bridges. We're going to talk more more in depth about this tomorrow with uh, John Dellen. And, oh, interesting. And, uh, on. Uh, and uh, uh, representative ordained women, uh-huh. and some some people who are facing church discipline for for in the LDS churches view crossing the line, but this this whole dialogue, I wonder if you could comment on that. So just the dialogue between the two Mormon entities, yeah, yeah, not yeah. Mm-hmm. but officially and in- but but sort of bypassing the official. Yeah, we we have never met with uh, church leaders or. Uh, you know, we haven't reached out to them and they, they haven't reached out to us, but we just are trucking along and doing the things that we're supposed to do, that our religion and our leaders and our scriptures say we're supposed to do. Mm. We just do it kind of boldly. Mm. And um, it'd be maybe interesting one day to have a sit down with a church leader, but I, I don't think that's necessarily um, part of our plan or anything. It's just, you know, Helping kind of congregant to congregant um, bridge, start communication and heal hearts and get to know each other just as just as regular people. And so, yeah, we'll uh, leave it there. We're going to take a brief break. When we come back, we will uh, talk. uh, We will visit an excerpt from a program I think that you participated in in, uh, Dorybert last September ahead of uh, Provo's first Pride Parade. Yeah. Uh, so we'll have that conversation with a, uh, a woman, uh, Rebecca Taylor, who uh, identifies as transgender, following this break. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and the Utah Humanities Council, empowering Utahns to improve their communities through active engagement in humanities, online at utahhumanities.org, and by the Utah Shakespeare Festival, presenting Shakespeare's Twelfth Night, the story of a damsel in disguise finding love when she least expects it. Information at bard.org. Coming up on the next Bluegrass Breakdown, it's the moment you've been waiting for. The return of Uwe, Jens, and Joel, the incomparable Kruger Brothers, who will be filling the breakdown with their wit, wisdom, charm, and jaw-dropping musical excellence. I'm Dave Higgs, and all the way from North Wilkesboro, North Carolina, the Kruger Brothers will be raising cane live on the next Bluegrass Breakdown. Saturday night at 10 on Utah Public Radio. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're going to go uh, in just one minute to a conversation from September we had with Rebecca Taylor, a Utah resident who identifies as transgender. That was ahead of a Provo's first uh, Pride Festival. Um, and uh, this comment, though, came in. I want to get this in. This is from Nolan, uh, who says, seems like a very difficult issue in that a private organization is organizing an event and has been for many years, and the event takes place on government or public land. If I'm not mistaken, Days of 47 celebrates the history of Utah and its heritage. At the same time, it also celebrates pioneers. Mormons Building Bridges has every right to apply to be in the parade. I agree with Ben. They followed the correct process, and though the outcome wasn't one they desired, the thought was introduced and ready to be tried and followed in years. 
I feel the organizers should celebrate diversity and everyone should be represented in Utah, but it doesn't sound like they are ready for that yet. I just really hope this doesn't become a huge political debate and change the way or who organizes the parade in the future. Unfortunately, the majority isn't catering to the minority in this case. Though it may uh, not feel right or equal, the Supreme Court has ruled on it before. I hope in the future the two organizations can come to some accord and look forward to many more years of celebrating Utah and its heritage. Dory Bird, I assume you would agree with those sentiments. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, so, Dory Burt, you were a part of this conversation that we're excerpting this portion from the last September ahead of uh, Provo's uh, first Pride Festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we talked with Rebecca Taylor, a Utah resident who identifies as transgender. Here's that portion of the conversation now. And uh, we're bringing in now Rebecca Taylor, Utah resident who identifies as a transgender. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, let me uh, let me start with Rebecca Taylor. I, I'm quoting from an interesting article in uh, the Provo Daily Herald by Janelle Pugmire. Uh, she starts the article, He was a real Tom Sawyer as a little boy, playing in woods, camping, using toy guns. Also a confusing time for the young boy, who uh, even more so wanted to play with dolls and wear little girl dresses. Rebecca Taylor was born a male. After growing up active in the LDS church, serving a mission, getting married in the temple, having children, attempting suicide, Taylor came to a realization that he was a she. Uh, very interesting story, um, and this all playing out in, in Utah, I, I guess. Is that the case, Rebecca Taylor? Yeah. Where did uh, you grow up? I grew up in Provo. Um, and so it, at what point did you realize that uh, that you were, you were identifying, you were feeling more like a woman? You know, it, it's, it's difficult to say when exactly, because growing up I always, you know, had some... Um, you know, those, those thoughts and feelings about wanting to wear dresses and look like the little girls, you know, that I was uh, going to school with and, and church with, um, you know, but at the same time, I didn't really, I didn't, you know, as a kid, I didn't really understand what those feelings were. All I knew is that if if I acted on those feelings with, with the other kids my age, uh, or any of the kids, for that matter, I'd you know, I'd get teased, bullied, whatever. Um, I just knew it wouldn't be good for me. So I I played the part of a boy and uh, had a lot of fun doing it. Um, but I think finally when I reached, uh, you know, about 12, 13, um, that's when I really started to have some, some health problems. And we at the time we didn't really associate the uh, the health problems with what was going on. But my parents found out that I was cross-dressing. I'd sneak into my sister's rooms or whatever and borrow their clothes and play dress-up when nobody else was around. Um, and I guess at some point my parents found out, and uh, we talked a, talked a little bit about it, and they said, no, you can't do this, you're a boy. And I just remember times in the, you know, specifically times in the shower when I would be praying to God, um, to heal me, uh, to, to take those feelings away and just make me a normal boy. Uh, it, it was, uh, it was very stressful at the time. And uh, so you, you continued in the LDS church. Uh, I did. You served a mission, married in the temple, had children. Yeah, I don't want to, you know, I want to tread lightly here carefully, uh, because I don't have anything bad to, to say about the church necessarily, but I grew up with the understanding and expectation that if I did everything I could, you know, if I had enough faith, uh, God would God would fix me. Um, so I figured the best way to show God, you know, demonstrate my faith would be to fulfill my church callings, pay my tithing, uh, go on a mission, you know, later get married. I did everything I could, uh, hoping that, you know, with the hope and expectation that that God would, would cure me or, or fix me somehow. Hmm. And ultimately, you know, the after, after a divorce and um, whatever, I ended up becoming suicidal myself simply because uh, I couldn't I couldn't live my life as I was um, as a male uh, 
And so that's when I finally, uh, sorry, this is a little difficult to talk about, but um, that's when I finally decided to try a, a, a different approach because, you know, time after time, you know, fighting it, fighting against it, you know, the end of the road, the end of that road was uh, was suicide for me. And that's when I decided to approach the situation differently and, and begin to transition. And uh, I've been on hormone replacement therapy now for about two months. And I've been on and off antidepressants throughout my life. I've been in and out of therapy, um, you know, traditional therapy. And the only thing I can say is that after you know, two weeks being on the the estrogen and the testosterone blockers, I've, those feelings of anxiety and stress and depression have all lifted. It's done more for me than any amount of, you know, any any concoction of antidepressants or or therapy has ever been able to to do for me. It's been it's been wonderful. I feel like I can. I don't know. I, I guess this is what normal life is like. I finally know what it's like to be happy. It's it's amazing. It, it sounds like the the this, I guess this crisis and overcoming it, it, it has been somewhat recent for you. Yeah, um, it was about two years ago that I finally decided to start, you know, to start transitioning or just to let it go and see where see where it it took me. So the first step was it, you know, coming, you know, coming to the acceptance that yes, this is the way my life is going to be. That there's a lot of things I don't understand about religion. I don't understand about God, um, you know. And He may yet heal me. I don't know. There's, I, I'm to the point now where I don't feel like there's anything to heal. Um, this is just the way He made me, and. There's nothing wrong with that. Otherwise, he would have fixed me. I, th- I think I, I honestly believe that if there was anything to to fix, he would have done it by now. Hmm. Um, and so, that's when I, you know, so about two years ago is when I decided to just live my life and stop stressing out so much about my situation and trying to change that. Um, and once I came to that exception or acceptance, uh, is is when my life really started to come together. Um, I started uh, performing at work a lot better, got promotions. Uh, my social life has taken off. Um, it's It's been amazing. I'm in a position that I never thought possible. Even, you know, two years ago, two, two and a half years ago, I never would have thought that I'd have friends that I could hang out with as Rebecca. It's It's been amazing. What uh, what was the attitude of your friends, family, those around you when when you were going through this, when you were making this decision? It was tough for them. Uh, it, it still is tough. Um, I've got some friends that won't come out and say it. I don't know exactly what they're thinking, and maybe they're just caught up in their own daily lives. I can't really speak for them, but I feel like I've lost a lot of my friends from before, you know, from high school, from from college. Um, because of this transition, uh, I, I know that it's been extremely difficult on my family uh, for a long time. I wasn't even able to go to my parents' house uh, dressed as a woman. You know, they asked me to, to continue to dress like a man if I came to their house. Um, things are slowly changing, but uh, it's it's been a challenge, and rightfully so. Uh, you know, they're, they're, I'm 33 years old, so for the last... 30 you know some odd years they've known me as as a boy um or as a man and that's that's a tough transition where where are you now with regard to to religion belief faith it sounds like you know religion's been important in your life what, well, yeah, where are you now absolutely right now i'm not sure how to answer that question um i've i've got a lot of questions about religion. I've got a lot of questions about God. Um, I do not actively participate in the LDS Church, but it is a very strong part of my culture and my family, and I hope someday to find those answers to 
you know, reconcile my personal life with the teachings of the church. Hmm. I'm interested, uh, Rebecca, you, you talked about your parents, and there, there's an ongoing, I guess, uh, sort of a negotiation or, or acceptance or whatever is happening there. But uh, if, if you look at it from your parents' point of view, I suppose if, if they allow you to come dressed as, as a woman, they might feel that they're going against their beliefs. I think that is very true. Um, in fact, I, I know that's true. I've, you know, I've talked with my dad a little bit. He's kind of the one that is, is struggling the most coming to terms with, with the transition and uh, I think that's exactly it. Um, he needs to. He feels that he needs to set a precedent and lay down the the law for his house and set an example for his house. And I respect that. Um, it's still difficult mm-hmm. um, because, again, I feel you know from my perspective, I feel like my own thoughts and feelings, my own experience is invalid from, you know, I, I, I don't feel validated from him. Uh, you know, he, I, I've been through a lot, and I feel like when I have those, you know, when people, when people make those remarks to me or, or have those thoughts and feelings, I feel like everything that I've been through is meaningless. Mm. And I've been through some pretty, pretty intense, uh, experiences. So, your uh, what is your hope? I, I know you're, you've been involved in some organizing, some events, and, and uh, that sort of thing. What's your sure. what's your hope for the for the Provo Pride Festival? You know, it comes back to to the teen suicide. Um, nobody should ever feel repressed to the point that they would consider taking their own lives. There's never a reason for that. And yet, here we are. (laughs) I want to show other people, you know, because I grew up feeling alone. I grew up feeling isolated. Um, Where, you know, I, I know that there's other transgender people in Utah, but until about six months ago, I didn't know where they were. Uh, you know, where where is everybody that's going through these similar experiences? Uh, about a year and a half ago, I found the USGA group at, uh, you know, that, that David mentioned, uh, the, of, of BYU students. And, you know, I, I went there and made a lot of friends, and it was—it's been a great experience for me. Um, you know, they're—they're they're considerably, most of them are considerably younger than I am. Uh, and I did find one other person that identifies as transgender. A couple—it was about—I'd been there about a year, I think, before she finally came out as as transgender. Um, and from there, we've—we've we found other people. Um, so what I'm hoping with Pride is, you know, Provo's ready to come out. You know, we're here. We're just hidden. We feel like we have to be hidden. And there's no reason for that. There's no reason that we need to hide. There's no, there's no excuse for it. And so I'm hoping to show other people that may be feeling lost and alone and isolated that they're not. We are here, and we're here for you. We are talking right there with uh, Rebecca Taylor, who's a Utah resident, uh, identifies as transgender. We just have a couple minutes left, so maybe final comments from from uh, uh, Rebecca Taylor. What, what's what's next for you on on your journey? Who knows? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just take it one day at a time. Um, you know, my my kids need me as a as a father, and. Uh, so my main goal is just to get myself in a position where I can be the best possible parent for them. And uh, like I said, hopefully with the, the Provo Pride, it'll raise awareness and and, and help other people. Uh, I'd like to continue to be on the, on the Pride Council and get ready for next year.
Rebecca Taylor, Utah resident who identifies as transgender. Appreciate you being on the program. Thank you. Utah writer, Gina Wickwar. Chittenango is a small village about 40 miles east of Syracuse, New York. We just got back from a trip to this little town because of Oz. Chittenango is where L. Frank Baum was born in 1856, and he is still its very favorite son. For the last 30 years, the town has held an Oz Fest, complete with munchkins, musical entertainment, various guests associated with the MGM movie, an outdoors art festival, and a great parade with floats, marching bands, and hand-waving city officials. Thousands of people come to Chittenango every year for this celebration. Last week, there was 20,000 souls lining the streets. And this year, it's where the International Wizard of Oz Club decided to hold its annual meeting. Naturally, I dragged my husband across the United States to join hundreds of fellow travelers for not only a board meeting, a club convention, but also Chittenanga's OzFest, where, as Oz Club officials, we got to ride in the parade and were treated like royalty. Seven miles to the west of Chittenango is another small burg. Fayetteville. It too is famous for its Oz connections. It is where L. Frank Baum's mother-in-law, Matilda Jocelyn Gage, grew up. Like her son-in-law, Matilda would live to have a great impact on this country. Born in 1826 to a committed abolitionist, she grew up in a home that served as part of the Underground Railroad. Many an escaping slave found his way to her home during the Civil War. After marrying a local businessman named Henry Gage, Matilda gave birth to five children, one of whom, Maud, was destined to become the wife of L. Frank Baum. But Matilda was not just a free thinker, as she was described contemporaneously. She was also a fervid champion of the Native Americans of New York's Iroquois Confederacy. More importantly, she was an ardent feminist, and along with Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton, worked relentlessly for the cause of women's suffrage and equality. With Stanton, she co-authored the first three volumes of Women's Suffrage, a creed de coeur of the early feminists. After a long struggle to raise awareness and funds, a group of scholars has now been able to restore Matilda's Fayetteville home on Genesee Street to its mid-Victorian splendor. It is now a docent-guided museum that welcomes school children and all other visitors who wish to learn about this spectacular woman's life and times. Inside are various rooms, each devoted to a certain aspect of Matilda's passions the Iroquois Confederacy, abolition. There is actually a trap door one can open to peer down into the cellar where runaway slaves were hidden before they were moved on to another safe house. And most prominently, the suffrage movement. A prolific writer, Matilda churned out numerous pamphlets and books on the subject, and they are all there for the curious to pour through. We also have Matilda to thank for L. Frank's greatest achievement. After her husband passed away, she spent part of the year living with L. Frank and Maud and their four sons in both Aberdeen and then Chicago. It is well documented that she was L. Frank's staunchest admirer and constantly urged him to publish the stories he had told his sons and other children. It's not clear that, without her prodding, he would have sought publication, first for Mother Goose in Prose, his initial bestseller, and then for the book that would make him immortal, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. Quite a lot to pack into one woman's lifetime, don't you think? This is Gina Wickwar. This is Utah Public Radio, KUSR HD1 Logan, KUSK HD1 Vernal, KUSL HD1 Richfield, KUST HD1 Moab, KCEU Price, and KUSU FM HD1 Logan.